Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're in this series called Running with the Giants. Running with the Giants. Well, we've been taking biblical characters, like I said, and we've been just asking a question. Well, today I want to talk to you from the story in the scripture of Isaac. Uh, Isaac was the son of Abraham. Some may know the story where Abraham is testing, God's testing Abraham's faith, and he asks Isaac, uh, Abraham, excuse me, to lay his son's life down for him. And we know the scripture that God wasn't really going to do that, but he was testing his faith. And well, Isaac grows up, and then as Isaac grows up, he gets married, and he walks through some things that we see Abraham actually walked through as well. And so I want to talk to you today about that. Like, if we could ask Isaac one question, here's the question I would like to ask him. Isaac, how do you deal with family cycles? How do you deal with family cycles. And so this, I'm going to be honest with you, it's a little bit more of a depth message. So if this is your first time, we're going real deep. If this is not your first time, we're going real deep, okay? And so we're excited about that. But I want to show you Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10. It says this, it says, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. He was about to enter Egypt, and he said to his wife, Sarai, I know that you are a beautiful woman, that you are. I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. So so say you are my sister, so that when I be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Okay, Abraham, he says, listen, girl, I know we married, but you're fine. He says, I want you to know, girl, like everybody thinks you, you fine. You know what I'm saying? Like you, 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 could, you are a true influencer, if you know what I'm saying. Girl, you looking good. And let me just tell you something. Everybody's going to want to kill me because of how good you look. This girl must have looked real nice if he thought people were going to kill him. And he said, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell people that you're my sister. I don't know if you're married in the room or not, but if you are and you tell your wife, I want you to introduce yourself to my sister, she's going to slap you right in the mouth. It's interesting because of his fear, he says, would you be, would you say that you're my sister? Genesis chapter 20 and verse 1. The same cycle happens again. Check this out. Abraham moved south of Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur. And then he moved to Gera while living there as a foreigner. Check out verse 2. Abraham introduced his wife Sarah by saying, she is my sister. So the king of Gera sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. Twice we see in the scripture that Abraham says, I need to say or introduce my my spouse as my sister for fear that he may get killed. Now, I want to show it to you in Genesis chapter 26, what Isaac does. Check this out. Genesis chapter 26 and verse 7. We're just talking about family cycles today. It says, when the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she is my She is my sister. He was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought they will kill me to get to her because she is so beautiful. Hold on a second. We just read Abraham twice says he's afraid, and because he's afraid, he introduces his his wife as his sister. And then we see six chapters later, Isaac does the same thing. Not only does he do the same thing, he says the exact same words. This is what we would call a cycle. 
Now, you may say, well, Isaac just saw his dad do it, so Isaac's going to do it. Isaac just did it. Now, it, that could be true. Isaac could have seen Abraham do this. But the two chapters that we see, chapter 12 and verse 20, I mean, excuse me, in chapter 20, that Abraham is introducing this, this concept, saying she's my sister. Isaac had not been born yet. In fact, these six chapters later, the scriptures, many people believe it was about 100 years later that Isaac was about 100 years old when he introduces his wife as his sister. So 100 years later, we see Abraham literally, I mean, excuse me, Isaac literally is saying the same exact thing that Abraham is saying. What does this show me? This shows me that everybody deals with family cycles. It's not just a teenager thing. It's not just a young person thing. It's not just a college, not a young professional. It's not just an adult. It's not just a parent. We all deal with family cycles. I want to show it to you in the scripture. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5, you must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will tolerate your affection uh, for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children, and the entire family is? The entire family is? You're with me. Every children, even children, excuse me, in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. He says, I lay the sins of the, of, of the parents on the children, and the whole family is affected. The entire family is affected. Check this out. Now, watch in a different translation, in 20, chapter 20, verse 5. I, the Lord your God, am jealous God, visiting the iniquities of, your, of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Now, this, this concept of this third term, iniquities, in the scripture it doesn't mean curse, okay? I know there's some concept. If you grew up in church, you may have heard of the term uh, 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 generational curses. That's not necessarily what this is. This term iniquity means to be bent or lean towards. So the sins of the father, so the children will be bent towards doing the same things. You ever saw a parent who was dealing with alcohol or dealing with a substance abuse and their kid said, I'll never do it, and their kid gets older and they start dealing with the same things? Being, it's being bent towards those same things. This is what we're talking about when we talk about family cycles, that we can be bent towards some of the same things. The scripture says that the entire family is affected. What does that show me? If we could take a lap with Isaac and say, hey, would you teach us, tell us how do you deal with some of these cycles, these family cycles, what would you tell us? He would tell us this, family affects us. Family affects us. You may have grown up in a home where both parents were there, you may, it may be an incredible home. It may have been a godly home. You may have been raised in church, but there are still some negative cycles that families will walk through that will affect all of us. We've all been affected by family, and so it's, and we're not talking negative about family. It's not what we're doing. What we're doing is we're trying to say, okay, if we understand that there are family cycles, then God means, that means God wants us to deal with these cycles so that we can continue to grow and mature as believers the way that he desires for us to. Mature as humans as he desires for us to. Does that make sense? Lamentations chapter five and verse seven, it says our fathers sinned and are no more and we bear their iniquities. Our fathers sinned and are no more. Meaning this, our parents are passed away. They sinned, they're passed away and yet we still are bearing their iniquities. We are still bent towards their, their cycles. This is showing us that even though they may be older, you may be older, I may be older, we can still deal with family cycles in our lives. It's interesting because we see Abraham dealt with this cycle of deception. Then we see Isaac deal with the same thing. 
It's interesting, Isaac's son also deals with deception and deceives Isaac for the birthright. Many of you know the story. Then we see Jacob uh, 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 working for his uncle Laban, and Laban then deceives Jacob into marrying the wrong sister. Jacob loved Rachel. Well, Laban deceives him and gives him Leah. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if anything would be worse than marrying the wrong sister. That would be cuckoo. Then we see that Laban deceives Jacob, but then we see then Joseph, J- Joseph and his brothers are Jacob's sons. Then we see Joseph's brothers deceiving Jacob about be- Joseph being killed and they sold him into slavery. All throughout this text of this genealogy, we see this deception cycle that they're walking through. What does this show me? It shows me that cycles are real. That family cycles are real and they affect us. Here's what I want to do. We're going to go deep. This is going to be counseling one on 200. Here's what I want to do. I want some participation today. I would like for you, if you have a pen or piece of paper, write some things down. If you don't, you can pull out your phone. Yes, I'm the pastor that said pull out your phone. Okay? Everybody do it. Everybody do it. Come on. I'll give you a couple seconds. Pull something out. Here's what we're going to do. We're talking about family affects us, and we're talking about cycles. Okay? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about just for a moment or two, uh, as long as you want, even as we teach throughout this message, I want you to think of some family cycles in your life that you saw growing up. I want you to think of some family cycles that you saw in your family as you were growing up. Now, if you are a parent in the room and your child is sitting next to you, this is not the test you want to cheat on. (laughs) They're talking about you. Don't be the one that's like looking like, no, because then your feelings are going to be hurt. New cycles start. <laughs> Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of some different cycles that maybe you've, you saw in your relationships as you grew up with your family and your upbringing. I'm going to give you some that these may you've seen, may you haven't, but I want you to, as you were talking about these, maybe you think, of, oh, yeah, that's us, or maybe you have some other ones. But here's some ones that I thought of as I was studying through this message. Maybe the cycle of anger. You saw anger in your home, yelling, aggressiveness, aggression. That's one that a lot of families deal with. Maybe you saw cheating. Maybe one of your parents cheated on one another. Maybe you saw lust, and that's part of cheating, where they lusted after. Maybe you saw substance abuse. Maybe you saw negativity, where your family, someone in your your home was just so negative. Maybe you, you saw gossip, where they just were at each other's throats and talking bad about each other behind each other's backs. Maybe you saw a parent disengaged. Maybe you had a parent that didn't ever tell you that they loved you or disengaged relationally or was so caught up in work that they didn't have the time that you felt that you should have. And and so they disengaged because they were so concerned about providing for you that they never gave you the love that you wanted. Maybe you saw that in your home. Maybe you saw uh, lying and deception like we see with Abraham and Isaac. Maybe you you saw people being passively aggressive. Maybe you saw sarcasm. Maybe you saw keeping up with the Joneses, this concept of we got to always put on this front to, to have what everybody else has and to be like everybody else. Maybe you saw a, a family member with control issues. Come on, control freaks in the room. You know who you are. Maybe you saw some control. Maybe you saw manipulation. Maybe you saw secrets being kept between one another. Maybe you saw financial struggle. 
and this poverty mentality. Maybe you saw financial selfishness where it was just spend on me and take care of me. Maybe you saw uh, abuse emotionally, physically, mentally. These are just some different cycles that we see. And it's interesting that we've gotten to the point in our lives as you write these things down. Here's what's interesting. And this is what we see with Isaac. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. We see these different things that we see in our lives. And this is why I wanted you to write them down because I want you to be able to look at those and then evaluate now when you're unhealthy in your life, which ones of those are you responding to? Which, which of those ways are you responding? Because here's what happens. I, I, I deal with counseling all the time. Literally, people will tell me, oh yeah, I deal with anxiety, I deal with stress, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always anxious. I literally, the first thing I'll ask them is which one of your parents dealt with anxiety? Because you saw something and now you're replicating that because you're unhealthy in your soul and so now you're responding with anxiety. It's the same thing. When someone's dealing with something, more than likely, it's something that we saw. And so why? Because family affects us and if we're not mature enough to say, okay, there's some cycles that we've been walking through and we're just living in a way, here's what happens. Then we become unhealthy in our soul and an unhealthy soul, hear me, an unhealthy soul will always have unhealthy cycles. An unhealthy soul will always have unhealthy cycles. So if we could walk with Isaac for a few minutes in this text that we read in chapter 26 of Genesis, I see three words that I believe he would share with us. Three words, and I want to talk to you about these three words. Or really, these are the three words that can stir up unhealthy cycles in our lives. It can cause us to be unhealthy and then stir up unhealthy cycles in our lives. Genesis chapter 26 and verse 1, it says, A severe famine now struck the land, as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerah, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. We just read in chapter 12 that Abraham was walking through a severe famine. And then this is when he moved to Egypt. We see the exact same thing with Isaac. There was a severe famine. The first word I believe we want to talk about today to create unhealthy cycles and unhealthy soul, stir up unhealthy situations in our lives, is famine. Famine. Now, many of us in this room online, we probably have not been stressed out about what we were going to eat yesterday. We're probably not too concerned about what we'll eat in the next 24 hours. We're probably not super concerned about what will happen two weeks from now, whether we'll be able to eat or not. Why? Because we're not necessarily, our country, our culture, we're not necessarily dealing with physical famine. But what does this represent for us as far as spiritually? This represents, I believe, famine, it means lack or loss. So when we're dealing with lack or loss, what can happen is we can create this unhealthy environment, it can, and cause us to have unhealthy cycles in our lives when there's lack or loss. It's so important we understand this. When we feel like we're not getting what we deserve, when we're not getting what we want, or we're not getting what we need, it can cause us to respond in an unhealthy cycle. It's interesting, the scripture says, he's, God says, the Lord, in verse two, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Do not go down to Egypt. Abraham, the scripture says in, verse tw in chapter tw 12, excuse me, he went to Egypt. God specifically then tells Isaac, don't go to Egypt. He was on the way to Egypt, why? Egypt, all throughout the scripture, represents the world. 
culture, society. And here's what happens. If, if we are caught up in the pursuit, hear me, in the pursuit of the things of this world, we'll be unhealthy in our soul. When we are caught up in pursuing the things of this world, more than pursuing God, we will be unhealthy in our soul. We will never find satisfaction and health in our soul when we're pursuing the things of this world first. That's why God says, pursue him first, put him first. It's not because he's this God of like, oh yeah, you have to do this. Uh, no, he does that and he says that because he knows when we pursue him, we'll be healthy in our souls. When he's first, when he's the first pursuit, he's the first priority, there'll be health in our soul and then we'll respond and live according to his purpose and his plans. When we're pursuing the things of this world, even things that can be good, like promotions and jobs and relationships, if those things come first, we are going to be unhealthy in our souls. If those things come first, we will be unhealthy in our souls. And here's what's interesting. Egypt was a place that had the Nile River. So it was not a place that was dealing with the famine like they were. And so this place probably was attractive, it probably had things that were producing well. And so it was like this, oh, we can go there and all of the things that we need will be taken care of. But here's the thing about Egypt. It also represented a place of enslavement. The Israelites were enslaved to Egypt for over 400 years. It's a place that represents enslavement. What does that look like for us? A famine, a lack, a loss can cause us to pursue the things of this world and not wait on God and pursue the things of this world. And here's what happens. It can be enticing and think, oh yeah, that's gonna fulfill me or that's gonna take care of me. But here's what happens. All it does is enslave us. All it does is trap us. And we say enslave us, it doesn't mean that, oh, that means I can't get free anymore. That's not what it means. It means this. We get to a place in our lives where we say, well, this is just who we are. Well, I'm just an angry person. Oh, that's just every once in a while. Like I just get overwhelmed and I just get angry and I blow up. That's just my personality. Oh, I'm just, oh, that's just my personality. I'm just a little negative. Don't worry about it. Like I get over it. I'll just give me a second and I'll be fine. No, 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 that's just, that's just me. Oh no, that's just my, my I, I just lust. That's just who I am. Like it, it's part of my generation of my, my family. It's just something we deal with. It's the cross that we must bear. No, that's being enslaved. Being enslaved is not that I can't get free. Being is enslaved is the point of where we think it's who we are so we don't desire to be free. And so this is what we have to understand. If we're really gonna be healthy in our soul, the pursuit has to be him first. Then the Bible says that all else will be added to us in Matthew chapter six when we pursue him first. And I believe this, if we were talking with Isaac, this is what he would say. He would say, be careful. Be careful in your pursuits. Be careful in famine because you'll end up being unhealthy. Genesis chapter 26 and verse three, very quickly. Live here as a foreigner in this land and I will be with you and bless you. Live here as a foreigner in this land. Genesis chapter 20 and verse one. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife, Sarah, by saying she is my sister. The three words I wanna give you today, famine, foreigner. Now, when we say foreigner today, we're not necessarily saying, oh, you're not from the United States of America and you're just visiting here. And so now you're a foreigner. That's not what we're talking about. 
What we're talking about when we say foreigners, we mean someone that maybe has been isolated from who God has called them to do life with. This isolation, it's this separation from, from wounds, from rejection, from hurt. Maybe you've been hurt in a past church or maybe you've been hurt in a past relationship and it can cause us to isolate ourselves. Well, here's what I know. I've never seen an isolated person have a healthy soul. I've never seen someone isolated have a healthy soul. Why? Because we were meant to do life together. God puts people in our lives, hear me, God puts people in our lives to help us, to encourage us. The scripture says to build us up. We need one another. This is one of the reasons why we do small groups. We don't do small groups just to give somebody something else to do. We don't just do small groups so you have something, uh, add to the calendar of of your checklist of, oh, you're a good Christian. No, we do small groups because we understand that we need each other in our lives. We need people around us that can help us and encourage us and build us up and challenge us in our faith. We need each other. We were not meant to do life alone. How do I know that? Just a few years ago, we saw that. We were all isolated. We were all told to stay home and there was no community and there was no friends and there was no family members and nobody could visit anybody. And let me tell you something. Some of y'all went absolutely cuckoo. Some of y'all are still cuckoo. And you blaming three years ago, oh, time to change the cycle. Come on, somebody. Why? I remember being in that time period and I even telling people all the time, we weren't meant to do this like this. We weren't created to do this. We weren't created to be isolated. We weren't created. We are not people. We are not creatures to be isolated, to be alone. No, actually, God said for, Ab, for Adam, he looked down, he says, it's not good for man to be alone, meaning that it's not healthy for us to be alone. Why? So this is what happens. We get isolated, and we, and we live in this concept of, oh, that's them. They hurt me, and so I'm not really interested, or, oh, that, that happened in the past, and now I've isolated myself. Well, here's what happens. Now all we're doing is allowing an unhealthy environment, an unhealthy soul to dictate our lifestyle. We need each other. We need one another. If you call Experience Church your home church, I would challenge you. I'm not even going to challenge you. I'm going to tell you, every person that calls Experience Church their church home should be in a small group. You're visiting, you don't call Experience Church your home, you get a free pass, praise God. (laughs) But if you've been coming for a while, hear me. If you've been coming for a while, I'm being so serious. You've been coming for a while. It's time to get connected plugged in. Why? Because I'm telling you as your pastor, I'm telling you it is how your faith will continue to be built and you'll find the healthiness in your soul and some of these cycles will begin to deteriorate deteriorate because you're willing to say, I'm willing to get connected in community. We have small groups going on. We'll start small groups in just a couple weeks. I I challenge all of you get connected in a small group. Genesis chapter 26 and verse 3 very quickly says, live here as a foreigner in this land. I'll read a few scriptures, so just bear with me. He says, I will be with you and I will bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised. Abraham, your father, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements and commands and decrees and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah, he said, she is my sister. He was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought they will kill me to get to her because she is so beautiful. 
When Isaac had been there long enough, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. He looked out and he saw Isaac caressing Rebekah and he said, this ain't his sister. Now, the King James Version, for those that have a King James, old school version of the Bible, King James Version, it's the one that says thou's and these. And some of you may read the King James and the King James Version actually says he was sporting with Rebekah. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what sport they were playing, but it wasn't a sport a brother and sister would play. Come on, somebody. You don't care. Okay, cool. Verse 9, immediately Abimelech called for Isaac and, and <laughs> called for Isaac and explained, she is obviously your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Because I was afraid someone would kill me to get to her. The three words I believe Isaac would tell us that stir up unhealthy environments, that can create unhealthy souls, that create unhealthy cycles. Famine, foreigner, and fear. Fear. And when I say fear, I'm not necessarily talking about you're scared for your life and so you're afraid. I'm talking about fear can come in all different ways. Fear of failure. That you're so afraid of failing that you give all your time towards something. Talking about fear of people where you have to always be pleasing people. Talking about anxiety, a fear of the uncertainty of what may or may not happen. There's all different realms of fear. We're not just talking about, oh, I saw a scary movie and so ah, I'm scared I can't sleep. That's not necessarily talking about the fear we're talking about. We're talking about the, 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 the condition that causes us to live in a way that we can become overwhelmed and we can cause us to create cycles in our lives that we've seen in the past. Here's what happens in this scripture. We just read it in verse three and verse four, the scripture we just read. God mentions Isaac's descendants three times. He mentions, God mentions the word descendants three times in the scripture we just read. He reminds Isaac three times that you will have descendants. That means you ain't gonna die yet. Yet the very next verse, Isaac goes and he begins to do the same cycle he always did. He always saw because of the fear of being afraid that someone would kill him. All he had to do was remember what God said and he would have been fine. But here's what fear does. Fear will cause us to reenact what we've seen and forget what God has said. Fear will cause us to reenact what we've seen and forget what God has said. Here's what's crazy. God, it says in the scripture, we just read in verse three, that he'll be with him. God was with him. God was speaking to him. God was promising him. He said, don't go to Egypt. God was directing him. God did all of this in just a couple of scripture. And yet so quickly, he forgot what God said and he fell right back into the cycle. Why? Fear. Fear will cause us to respond and react in ways that we think are protecting us. He was trying to protect himself. But instead of protecting himself, instead of fear protecting us, it actually causes more harm than good. Many years ago, I got the opportunity to go skydiving. Many of you may know this story. You may not. I got the opportunity to go skydiving. I'm going to be honest with you. I am not a heights guy. I don't like heights. I say this all the time. God made me short for a reason. I'm close to the ground. Come on, somebody. My friend's talking. We got to go. We got to go, Scott. We got to do it. Everybody's doing it. Uh, let's go. So finally, I signed up. I still, to this day, don't know why, but I did. 
We go skydiving. We're on the plane. Actually, before we're on the plane, we're in this warehouse, and they're like strapping you in, and they're making you watch all these videos of how you could die. And literally, it's like one in every da 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 can die. And my friend's like, bro, you're going to be that one. <laughs> He's like, bro, you're going to be the statistic, huh? We get up all the way up in the plane, and you know, for those that have been went skydiving, you kind of know you like sit in this little plane that could any any moment blow up because it's a piece of junk. And you, they tell you, "All right, we're at the height," and you kind of scoot over like on this little bench, and like all of a sudden, like you're tandem jumping, meaning that you're connected. They just like, "All right, we're gonna count to three, and we're going." And you're like, "No, <laughs> no, we're not counting. No, we're not doing that. I'm not counting. You count. I'm not counting." <laughs> I remember he gets to the edge and it's like, all right, we're going to count one. And as soon as I hear one, I hear my friend. He's behind us. He's jumping next. He's like, all right, bro, I'll see you in heaven. <laughs> Two, three, we jump. Ah, okay, we jump. What happened in the next few minutes? I'm going to be honest. Some unhealthy cycles came up, okay? <laughs> Talk about that another day. We land and I, 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 hit the, I hit the ground. I'm like, oh, God is good. He loves me. And I was, just, I, was, I was terrified the whole time. No joke, true story. I was, so, I was scared the whole time. The point of where, when they pull the chute, for those that have, have gone parachuting uh, or skydiving, when they pull the chute, like when you parachute, it's kind of like gliding. Well, what they do is I guess they think it's too boring. And so they kind of go left to right to let you glide. I'm not going to lie. He started going left to right. I said, bro, don't do that. <laughs> I got so serious. I was like, he's like, what do you mean? He's like, I do this for everybody. I said, not with me, you don't. I said, bro, we're going straight to the ground. Don't do any of that stuff. Stop playing. I literally told him, I said, stop playing, bro. You do that with somebody else. We get to the ground. We, we get to the ground and we land. And my friend lands next to us and he's smiling from ear to ear. He's smiling. He said, man, that was awesome. I said, what'd you think? I said, man, that was awesome. He said, man, I said, well, you were afraid. He said, bro, I wasn't afraid the whole time. He said, not even one second. I didn't even get afraid at all. I was, literally, the whole thing was incredible. I thought, man, I was scared the whole time. How does this dude, man, this dude really is the man. So what we did is we get back to the warehouse and we paid the extra money to get the videos. <laughs> For some reason, God has a sense of humor and he makes my video go first. And I'm making all kinds of faces and noises that demons probably make, but it's Okay. <laughs> And, and he's laughing, he's cutting up, he's got people coming over that we don't even know, like looking at this dude, uh, like ragging me. And so then what happens is his video comes up next. We put his video in and what they tell you is, remember two things, you're tandem jumping, so don't worry about anything else. Just worry about where your hands are, lock your hands down, and then where your legs go. Make sure you lock your legs down so you're not, you're not frailing everywhere. That's the two things you gotta remember. Don't remember anything else, don't worry about anything else. When you get afraid, just remember the two things, where your arms go, where your legs go. So I did that. Noises, but I did that. He goes one, two, three in this video, and he jumps, and all of a sudden, his hands and his legs are everywhere. I'm talking about he forgot all things that they said. His arms are out. He's wailing. His legs are out wailing. And about 10 seconds into the video, true story. This is the God on the street. 10 seconds into the video, him falling. Like 10 seconds. He's like, this is awesome. The dude passed out. And I'm not talking about like passed out, like, uh, like he passed out so much, his head was bobbing. No joke, like 30 seconds into the video, so serious. He's like, you see it. He's like, 
Ah! He woke up. I look at him and I said, bro, no wonder why you weren't scared. You were dead half of the time. I walked away and I said this. I said, God avenged me. Now, I'm being funny. Obviously, it's an incredible story. But here's the fact and the truth about it. This is what fear really does do. Fear will cause us to forget all the things God said and cause us just to frail and ah, and here's what happens. And then it causes more harm in our lives than good. This is why God says, lean on me, not on your own understanding. Stop trusting in your own strength and your own mental thoughts and what could and what couldn't. It's not going to work out the way that you want it to. We got to put our trust in him. Why? Because if we're leaning on our own strength, we're in an unhealthy soul, an unhealthy environment, and unhealthy cycles are going to come from it. So important we understand this. These are three things I believe Isaac would share with us. And as we close today, Genesis chapter 26 and verse 4. I said there's three words that he would give us, but really I think there'd be a fourth. And this is what he says. This is what God spoke to Isaac. He says, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So Isaac, you got these different environments and you have these different cycles and we can kind of evaluate and we see these different things that we're walking through and you say, okay, that's great. But Isaac, how do we really, how do we get free from these things? How do we walk from this? And I love this, that God in the beginning of time in the scripture right here, here's what he says. He says, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. God wasn't speaking about all his family members and all his kids would be rich. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, I want you to know this, that through your, your genealogy, through your, your legacy, through your life, that your descendants, there will be one that will come, and through him, all will be blessed, and his name is Jesus. And now, because of Jesus, we're all blessed. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus came, and now we find freedom in him. Because of him, the family cycles can be cut off. And we can walk and live like never before. I want to show it to you very quickly. In Genesis, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is, who is hanged on a tree. Christ redeemed us from the curse. That's why when people talk to me about generational curses, and I say, have you asked Jesus into your life? Do you believe in Jesus as your Lord? And they say, yes. I say, there's no generational curse. Like, oh, what are you talking about? Well, I've been dealing with this. That's a cycle that now you have to walk through. But that's not a curse. Why? Because we serve a God who came and he took on that curse and he redeemed us from that curse. Now, you're no longer an alcoholic. You're no longer someone who lusts. You're no longer someone who gets angry. You may have to work through those things, but you're not cursed with those things. And I love this. We serve a God who loved us so much that he says you can find freedom. That fourth word. I believe Isaac would say you can find freedom. Here's what I know. We all walk through, and we still are, no matter what our age. You can be 90 years old in this room or online. We all walk through family cycles. We're all still walking through some family cycles and the things that we had in our upbringing. 
So when we have this concept of, okay, Christ redeemed us and Christ frees us and we can find freedom. Yes, it's we, we look to him and he frees us, yes. But then how do we practically walk that out? How do we, it's such an abstract thought. How do we really live in freedom? I'm glad you asked. Very, 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 very basic. Here's what it is. And every way that we respond and every time that we respond and every time we make a decision, here's the way I want you to think of it. It's a seed being planted. I'm planting a new seed. You ever heard the term? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I hate that term. Why? Because I'm my own apple, dang it. But here's what's interesting. The concept of the apple doesn't fall far from the tree is, here's what it is. It's, oh, you're so much like what you saw. You're so much like your parents. That's great. And parents, some, we have some incredible parents. I have some incredible parents. That's, but what happens is, if we're not careful, then we could take on everything that our parents did. And now here's what happens. Now we can create the same cycles. And if you're a parent in the room now, what's going to happen is you're going to pass that on to your children. And so we have to be a people that cut it off. Well, how do we do that? Every time we do it, it's a new seed. Every time we respond, the way you respond to your spouse, it's a new seed. Why? Because here's what it is. If the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, here's where I'm at, that I'm going to plant a new tree. Every time you respond to your spouse the right way and your, your child sees it, you're planting a new seed. Every time you say no to that lust, you're planting a new seed in your life and someone else's life coming behind you. Every time you say, I'm not gonna get angry and blow up, you're planting a new seed. What happens is you're starting a generational thing that is not a curse, but a blessing. Not a cycle, actually it is a cycle, but it's a godly cycle that will help those beyond you continue to live the way that God has called you and them to live. What an incredible blessing that we have the opportunity. It's a responsibility and it's a weight, but it's also a blessing that we can be ones that can help impact the next generation beyond us and we can help impact our own lives all by just the decisions we make. Today, I'm choosing to follow Jesus over following the world. Today, I'm choosing to love my spouse more than I love my career. Today, I'm choosing to spend time with my children more than I spend time with my hobby. Today, I'm, choo I'm choosing the right things. Why? Because every time I do, I'm planting a new seed. This is why coming to church is so important because you're planting seeds in your life, but also in your children's lives that will last for generations. This is why small groups are so important because you're helping other people plant those seeds in their lives. This is why walking with one another and, and living together and, and challenging one another and building one another is so important. Why? Because we have this responsibility. We have been freed, but we have this responsibility now to plant new trees. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You can be a college student in your room like, whoa, 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 whoa. What better time? to start then young, to plant a new tree. Then you get to my age, and I'm not gonna tell you my age because I'm young, but if you get to my age, college students, and now you don't have to have your children dealing with some of the things you dealt with as a child. Now you've already created a new tree that they just can eat the fruit from. We can find freedom in him. He is the only one that gives us freedom. But then through him, his strength then allows us to start planting new trees and creating new cycles that lasts for generations to come. In fact, the scripture says that we just read in Exodus chapter 20 and verse five. I wanna read it to you very quickly, five and six. Check this out, very quickly, I close. Uh, for the I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Now check out verse six. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations 
on those who love and obey my commands. The very seed you plant can be a seed that grows and bears fruit for a thousand generations. What better time than to start now? Isaac, what would you tell us how to deal with it? So I tell you, let you know, family's gonna affect you. It already has, I'm sure, but I want you to know, it doesn't matter how old you are, it's still gonna affect you. You can't hide from it, you can't run from it, it's gonna affect you. But I want you to know as well, these, these three areas, environments, that you need to be careful of a famine, a foreigner, and a, a fear, because these can create these unhealthy souls in our lives, and it can create and respond in these unhealthy cycles. But I want you to know there's freedom in Christ. And from finding freedom in Christ, then we begin to plant new seed into other decisions that we make so that we can continue to create new cycles for those that come behind us. Family cycles, they're so healthy, but they can be so unhealthy. So let us be a people that create the healthy cycles so that we can continue to let those of behind us and ourselves walk out and live his purpose and his plan. Amen. Can we pray today? Father, I thank you so much.